Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is such an important one. It's discussing the Trident Mortgage Settlement case, an important case that impacts mortgage bankers. I'm thrilled to have our expert, David Stein. David is a partner at Taft Law Firm. He has a national practice for bankers and consumer financial service companies. He's an expert in fair lending, RESPA, and all things mortgage banking. Uh, Prior to David's current position, he was within the mortgage banking business at a large top 50 lender as general counsel. Hi, David. Hi, Pat. How are you? I'm doing well. Before we jump onto this topic, which is really a hot topic, I would like you to talk a little bit about how you got into mortgage banking. Well, back when I was a young lawyer, a good client of mine got me involved as he started a mortgage company, which we ended up thinking it was going to be a small thing. And it ended up being an 18-year project where I served as general counsel to what became a top 50 lender in the country and covering 50 states. And uh, right at the same time that most of the anti-predatory lending regulations were starting to be implemented just prior to the, um, and then leading into the crash and the involvement of the CFPB. So I was lucky enough to get involved in the industry back in the late 90s before there was really any regulation. And I've grown up and grown my legal practice around the encyclopedia of regulations that now we now face. Well, that's what I love about you, that you know the nitty-gritty of mortgage banking by far, and I think that's what makes you unique within our industry for sure. So let's uh, jump to the world of the Trident Mortgage Court case and its settlement, and especially the ramification for mortgage bankers. Why don't you share your thoughts? Sure. So Trident is a, is a really good lesson for every independent mortgage banker out there. And I suppose also for banks as well, because the the key takeaways really apply to anyone involved in consumer lending, and especially mortgage lending in the United States. Trident was an independent mortgage banker. It's now out of business, but it was a sizable mortgage banker and was actually owned through a chain of companies uh, by Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company. And so Trident had a decent size and uh, deep pockets which made them an ideal target for regulators to start to look at. Trident, unfortunately, made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, and probably their, their biggest mistake was not paying attention to their own analysis, their own data related to their fair lending performance. Most independent bankers out there conduct annual reviews and have someone slice and dice their data and provide them some analysis in terms of how they're doing with fair lending, in terms of their application rates and uh, what their underwriting performances for minorities and uh, protected classifications. And so most companies conduct those things because the data, as we all know, tells the story of how well a company's doing. And certainly in the past few years, as Humda has been beefed up and theoretically should be much more accurate and comprehensive now, that Humda data that uh, everyone uploads, that data is publicly available. And the state and federal regulators are looking at that data regularly 
Um, they're looking for red flags. They're looking for companies that aren't performing well, either because they're not taking enough applications from minority applicants or their loan costs, which are all publicly available now because of all of the data feeds with uh, day one certainty and, and the call reports. Loan data is now very granular and is available. And so regulators can start to evaluate that data based on uh, publicly available information. And so, you know, they're looking at application rates, they're looking at pricing, they're looking at underwriting performance for minorities versus uh, those who are not minority, uh, or other words, uh, whites. They're looking at a, a host of different uh, performance metrics, um, and they're looking for red flags. And um, with Trident, this lawsuit uh, started because of a referral from the CFPB to the Department of Justice to and for the purpose of commencing a lawsuit against the company. Now, I, I don't know what led to the initial inquiry to Trident, but because some of the allegations make specific reference to the company conducting fair lending analysis and basically ignoring it and not acting on it, one can assume that the government discovered Trident because of some red flags in their data and started taking a closer look at the company. And as Trident found out, a closer look is a very comprehensive audit, fair lending examination that can uncover a lot of details. And in this case, no matter what Trident was attempting to do in their, in their legitimate business, they were failing in every way with regard to fair lending. They were not attracting enough minority applicants they were, their marketing was targeted, was very limited to promote activity in white neighborhoods, majority neighborhoods. When you look at a low application rate and marketing uh, that really isn't uh, hitting the, the people that need access, need to have a clear path to credit, that leads to bad outcomes and bad data, or it, it, it exacerbates a, a problem. Um, that's brewing. Um, so here, the CFPB did a deep dive into Trident. And what they discovered was what they considered to be intentional discrimination. And typically, when you hear the word intentional discrimination, you're thinking, oh, wow, someone was told they can't apply because of their race or gender or whatever the classification is. But here, the CFPB took the position and the Department of Justice took the position that Trident was doing so little with regard to fair lending or really nothing to meet their fair lending obligations that it was as if this was intentional discrimination. It's almost they, they almost put a kind of a reckless label on Trident to say you were so reckless in how you were managing these obligations that we consider this to be intentional discrimination and your discriminatory activity discouraged minority applicants. So that's kind of the, the background of why the Bureau got into this case. You know, other than that, Trident was a, a typical independent mortgage banker, busy on the East Coast, primarily in the Philadelphia area. And going about their business, there's no reference in the lawsuit or, or the settlement to any specific minority applicants who were the victims of disparate treatment. So what we're really looking at are the outcomes and the residue of 
disparate impact, which causes Trident to be in trouble here. So the data, the application data, the loan data revealed that Trident didn't serve neighborhoods equally. White neighborhoods were served priority. Majority minority neighborhoods uh, were not served or barely served at all. And so what were the factors that government looked at? They looked at, first of all, the application rates, comparing you know, what, what is the percentage of population in any particular MSA or census tract? What is the percentage of the population that's minority? And when they take a look at that, they see a, a large statistical deviation from an expected outcome where 80% minorities in any given area, but less than half of the applications received are from uh, minorities, which tells anyone looking that, hey, here's a big red flag. Somehow minorities are being overlooked, either intentionally or through some unintentional outcome. So it causes the regulators to take a closer look. What they did when they took a closer look, they interviewed employees, they looked at the emails that are that's going on in the company, they looked at the lending patterns that are going on within the company, they looked at marketing campaigns, specific marketing campaigns, and how effective they were. They looked at the dispersion of branch offices and whether that dispersion of branch offices showed any inclination to serve minority neighborhoods. They looked at employment practices and they what they saw was a concern in all of these factors. So government through discovery is looking at email traffic within the company. They're seeing emails with racist language used internally to describe neighborhoods that were minority neighborhoods and the people that live in them. And um, what they saw were a lot of racist slurs. They saw uh, conduct that indicated that from the top down, there was no sense of obligation with regard to fair lending in the company. Part of the review deals with advertising. So they looked at 15 advertising campaigns that Trident um, had taken on. And with those campaigns, none of them featured pictures or photographs of anyone other than white individuals. That's a problem as well for the Bureau, for the Department of Justice, for HUD, for anyone looking at these things, uh, because what it's doing is sending a message that only whites are invited to apply. Now, that may not have been the intent of Trident, but that's the message that the government deems was being sent, that minorities are not invited to, to apply. And that goes back to the allegation that this was intentional conduct. They wanted to evaluate who are the targets of those campaigns. And what they found were was that it was whites that were generally the, the target of advertising campaigns. And that's an important lesson for everyone out there, because typically when you buy lists or you're seeking to market to certain groups, you want to market to the groups that you think are going to bring you in the most business or most valuable business, perhaps in neighborhoods with higher value houses, et cetera. But by eliminating, by saying we're not going to market to certain neighborhoods or to certain types of people, the message is that we don't want their business. And what that does is deprive those people of access to credit, which is the essential protection of the Equal Credit Opportunity Act to make sure that everyone has equal access to credit, regardless of race or other classification. 
So, David, when so, you look at that case, and what I thought was unique about it, which you've kind of briefly talked about, is that they mentioned that here was a mortgage banker that had less than 100 loan officers, and it was a big deal from the standpoint that they mentioned several different times that the loan officers were 94% white, and, so, and that the loan officers themselves were responsible for recruiting, and they were recruiting similar people people as themselves. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so this is the second time we've seen that type of allegation come out of an investigation in recent years. So there was there is a case that's still pending right now in Chicago, a fair lending case, uh, where we saw those allegations for the first time. And that case commenced somewhere around 2020, maybe 2019. I'm a little fuzzy on the dates simply because of the, the COVID mm-hmm. lapse of, of time here. But that case is still going on. And it was the first time we saw where hiring practices became a factor in a fair lending investigation. And, you know, according to the Bureau, that if you do not have a diverse workforce, then you're not going to have a diverse set of clientele. That how your work, you know, the composition of your workforce will directly affect how you hire, you know, people hire others that they know or through referrals, that people, uh, minorities out there are more likely to contact a minority loan officer than a white loan officer. And if you don't have minority loan officers, then you're basically shutting off a route of communication. Now, that requires a stretch or a leap of faith to buy into that logic. And I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I think that certainly there is, you know, it does make sense to say that if you're only going to employ white people and you're hiring by word of mouth, you're very unlikely to ever be in the position of hiring someone who's a minority and that you need to be proactive and intentional about seeking diversity within your workforce. That makes sense. What requires the leap of faith is whether or not that failure makes an uh, or has an effect on the public and whether they want to apply for credit from your company versus another company. I think time will tell whether courts buy into that philosophy, but that philosophy effectively is the law right now because that is what HUD and the CFPP and the Department of Justice feels is the law. And until a court tells them otherwise, it's going to be the law. So why don't you discuss the penalties that were assessed to them? Of course, the the case started where they were an active company, and then they apparently obviously shut down. But they we were charged really with a large fee, a large penalty fee. Right. They they had um, over twenty million dollars of fines and penalties. The most significant portion of that was supposed to be dedicated to funding a loan subsidy program for minorities, kind of like some retroactive Mm -hmm. good to come from the money that Trident is going to have to pay. But $18.4 million is a lot of Mm -hmm. loan subsidies. And I'll be curious, you know, I wonder for years how that might get distributed and whether that's a waste of government action and a waste of money or, or not. That'll be an interesting thing to follow up on. They also had to pay a $4 million fine, just a straight fine, to the government. And then they needed to pay another $2 million to fund advertising 
in certain neighborhoods to improve access to credit. Now, by the time they entered into the settlement and agreed to pay all of this, um, they were already out of business. So uh, it's unclear where that last $2 million of, of penalties is really going in terms of advertising. But all in all, you know, we're looking at almost $25 million of fines, penalties, or otherwise that were assessed to Trident, which, you know, Trident was not a, a large company by any stretch of the imagination. And certainly had they wanted to be to remain in business, that would be difficult to do so, getting hit with a penalty or, or fines like that in the um, $20 million range. So David, talk about what Trident now means to mortgage bankers. And of course, Trident certainly has gotten their attention. What do you see as far as fair lending is now being defined in a lot of different ways and the hiring practices, certainly and marketing practices now come into play. So talk about that as far as other mortgage bankers. So Pat, that's really important what you just what you just asked, because Trident could be any generic independent mortgage banker out there. Trident wasn't necessarily taking on unique attributes here. What they were doing or what they were not doing could apply to just about any mortgage banker out there, because what they what the takeaway is, they were not being intentional at all about avoiding discrimination in their workplace or avoiding disparate outcomes for consumers. They were not at all even considering their obligations. And, and I've used that word a couple of times, obligations, because every lender has the obligation to engage in activities that will promote fair access to credit and fair housing. And what they were doing was just kind of sticking their head in the sand. And the thing that really strikes me most when, when I talk to clients and, and meet companies around the country, most of them do conduct fair and lending analysis. Most of them get a report, at least on an annual basis, talking about their application rates and their pricing of minorities versus non-minorities and their underwriting outcomes. And the, you, know, you could break that data down a lot of different ways. And many, many companies, and I would dare to say most companies invest thousands of dollars in analysis annually. But if you're ignoring that analysis, like Trident did, then you know not only are you wasting your money having the analysis done, but you're sending a message to be used against you later that, yeah, we should have known. In fact, we had the reports right here, but we did nothing. That's where the conduct takes on that intentional tone and you know could lead to fines you know similar to what we saw here with Trident you know nearly 25 million dollars because by ignoring by basically by their own actions they acknowledged that they had obligations here by their own actions they had the tools to evaluate and make adjustments but they never did so and they just ignored it and that is the message for every lender out there you cannot ignore fair lending obligations. You've got to in initiate controls from the top down to make it intentional as to what you're doing on a regular basis to promote equal access to credit. 
So when you talk to mortgage bankers, and I've talked to quite a few more recently after this decision has happened, and they're talking about being audited by the Consumer Finance Board. And it seems as if the feedback that I'm receiving is that the Consumer Finance Bureau is certainly using Trident as part of their analysis. What are you seeing uh, with the lenders that you're talking with? Well, I think that's exactly right, Pat. You know, I, I... you know, Trident is still fairly recent. However, many companies are asked and are asked to respond to specific fair lending examinations, some conducted at the state level. There are some states that do specific audits related to fair lending. But then you've got the the reporting that goes to the federal level. And you've got groups like HUD, which will look at look for their own enforcement. You've got the CFPB. And then you've got state regulators that might be looking at these things. So the question is, what standards might have come out of Trident that would that are important for every lender to know? And I kind of on the back of the napkin, I identified five major standards that every lender, every mortgage banker ought to know and ought to be following in order to keep themselves out of hot water. What are those five standards that you're talking of that you think that lenders should be aware of? Sure. So the number one is every lender needs to take proactive steps to meet the credit needs of high and majority minority neighborhoods in the same manner that they would attempt to meet the needs of majority white neighborhoods. In other words, it's not enough to just say, well, we didn't get any minority applicants because we only have our offices in this realtor's office. That's not going to fly with the government. You've got to take proactive steps and be intentional. And if most of your business is coming from, from white neighborhoods and from relationships in white neighborhoods, then you need to be intentional about trying to create those relationships in non-white neighborhoods. It's not enough. You will not prevail against the government here if you are just leaving it to chance. You've got to be intentional about it. So that's number one. Number two standards, evaluate office locations and their geographic coverage. Same logic as point number one, but branch offices should be intentionally situated in majority minority neighborhoods as needed in order to ensure that there's equal access to credit for those individuals in those neighborhoods. Again, it's not enough to say, well, we've always had our offices in this suburb and that suburb, and that's where most of our business comes from. You've got to evaluate, should the company invest in putting offices in other areas because you're not, your application rates are not high enough from other neighborhoods? That, that takes an investment. It takes resources to do, but it's really important. And that's part of what Trident got nailed for, for not doing. Third, every mortgage banker needs to promote and enact affirmative employment standards in order to provide a diverse work environment free of discriminatory conduct. That means there needs to be intentional efforts to hire a diverse workforce. And there has to be leadership from the top down that shows that discrimination will will not be tolerated in any form in that company. Trident got in trouble because some manager was, there's a picture floating of him around the office with the manager promoting a Confederate flag. That manager was reported, but no one ever followed up or disciplined him or took any action 
to indicate that was not uh, within the values of the company. And so because that didn't happen, then it's deemed to be part of the company's value to promote the Confederate flag or racism in that case. But there were, there were a, a bunch of different discriminatory emails that were going around racist jokes and slurs about neighborhoods and about people that were going around that office. Not once did a manager speak up and discipline someone for participating in that type of conduct. So here, it wasn't enough that they hadn't just, they, they didn't hire black employees at, at Trident, but they also allowed this hostile work environment related to racism to, to penetrate their, their office, which again leads to the suggestion that any discrimination wasn't by accident. Next point, point number four for every mortgage banker is to conduct affirmative advertising that every banker needs to demonstrate, whether it's through pictures or graphics or otherwise, that everybody is invited to apply and will be considered for credit regardless of race or classification. But also with terms of, with the term affirmative advertising, that the company is taking steps to make sure that they are not targeting uh, just whites that they are targeting for direct mail or for otherwise, for maybe it's social media advertising or some other type of advertising, but they're seeking to have a diverse group of applicants um, so, that they're, so that everyone can feel that there's equal access to credit. And number five point is conduct regular fair lending analysis and act on it accordingly. And you know, I have clients ask me this year in and year out when we look at fair lending analysis, you know, we can't just wave a, a magic wand and fix the fact that we didn't have a high enough application rate from Hispanic folks or Black folks in this particular neighborhood or census tract. What the government looks at, they're not looking for perfection. They're looking at trends. They're looking to say, okay, this company had a very low application rate in 2020. Did that improve in 2021? If it did, why? If it didn't improve, why not? And likewise, they're looking to see how that trend continues. And so that when you get this fair lending analysis, there are management decisions to be made uh, related to marketing and employment and applications and loan programs, et cetera. If the management of the company is not acting on that analysis and considering it, um, then it's as if they are putting their head in the sand and they're willing to accept discriminatory conduct uh, as a default. So that, that's the problem. So those five points, there's one overarching rule for all of them, and that's to document so that you can someday, whether it's a year or five years down the line, show the government what you tried to do to make sure that everyone had equal access to credit. Well, I think that's a great point to end on. And I think that this has really been an interesting conversation because this is something that I think independent mortgage bankers really looked at as like a bank problem. So um, any final thoughts on that, David? This is not a project that simply gets accomplished. This has to be a part of every banker's annual planning. And there needs to be appropriate resources for the size and scope of your organization um, dedicated to fair lending because this is a never ending fight. And it's important to show the government that you are fighting, that you are trying to make a difference. And I think that's what keeps the government off of some folks back 
while here with Trident, because they didn't try anything, that's what brought the government's um, foot down. Well, I think that's really words of wisdom to end with. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I especially want to thank David for sharing his wisdom. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks so much, David. Thank you, Pat. Take care. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at pshirlock at qfsconsulting.com.